a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. You heard coverage over this past weekend of the 191st semi-annual October General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and there were several recurring themes throughout the conference. One of those had to deal with unity and how we interact with each other. This was not just for the 16-plus members of the Church of Jesus Christ, but for people everywhere. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles set the tone for the conference by focusing on this very topic. Friends, in our present moment, we find all manner of divisions and subdivisions, sets and subsets, digital tribes and political identities, with more than enough hostility to go around. Might we ask ourselves if a higher and holier life, to use President Nelson's phrase, is something we could seek? It was interesting that this was uh, the opening address following President Nelson's welcome to the general conference, uh, that this was the next message and talking about divisions, subdivisions, sets and subsets, identities, uh, and all of those things, uh, hostility all around. And really beginning with that question, which I think is a, a good question for all of us everywhere, regardless of uh, what we profess to believe or what faith tradition we follow, uh, or what we don't follow. This simple idea of we're all human beings, we're all on this planet together, and do we really have to be so divided? Is there a higher and holier way? Is there a higher and holier life that could cause us to come together and solve problems a little better and a little differently? Elder Dale G. Renlin of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles also suggests an important question to help us eliminate division among us. We might be inclined to say, of course we can have unity, if only you would agree with me. A better approach is to ask, what can I do to foster unity? I love that. We hear that often. Uh, Of course we can have unity as long as you agree with my position. Uh, that's, That's clearly the issue. You're not agreeing with me. If you just agree with me, everything would be peaceful and everything would be good. Uh, but uh, Elder Renland, uh, who went on to, to talk about some really interesting uh, examples uh, between nations uh, that we'll come back to in just a moment. But I want to go back to Elder Holland for a moment. He explained that the, the love of God will actually be the thing that increases peace in our life and help us get rid of so many of these unnecessary divisions. Now, when the love of God sets the tone for our own lives, our own relationships to each other— and ultimately for our feeling for all mankind, then old distinctions, limiting labels, and artificial divisions begin to pass away, and peace increases. Old distinctions, limiting labels, and artificial divisions, because often that is what we are dealing with, artificial divisions, based on power, uh, based on politics, but not based on people and principle. 
when we get back to people and principle, everything seems to line up just a, a little bit better uh, as we gain that proper perspective. I mentioned earlier that Elder Renlund spoke of a, of a fascinating example uh, between the Finnish uh, people and the Russians uh, and some old disagreements and that if we would just change our approach to those disagreements, everything else could change. When love of Christ envelops our lives, we approach disagreements with meekness, patience, and kindness. We worry less about our own sensitivities and more about our neighbors. We seek to moderate and unify. We don't engage in doubtful disputations, judge those with whom we disagree, or try to cause them to stumble. Instead, we assume that those with whom we disagree are doing the best they can with the life experiences they have. Now, that's a lesson for everyone in every community, everywhere on the planet, uh, that when we assume that those that we disagree with are doing the best they can with the life experiences they've had, that we don't have to disparage, we don't have to weaponize words, we don't have to hope that someone else makes a big mistake or a stumble. And then we can do, as Elder Renlund said, we don't have to engage in doubtful disputations or judge those with whom we disagree. Uh, We don't have to do that. That is not baked in to our DNA. But we've forgotten that. And we've allowed some of the things, including the negative aspects of social media, to create and further this cancer of contempt of if you disagree with me, I have contempt for you, which means I believe you're worthless. You have no value because we disagree. And instead, we've got to be curious. We have to understand. We have to seek to understand and listen. If you missed our special conference conversation over the weekend, uh, we did a, a whole hour on developing a listening heart. And we interviewed uh, some some really interesting faith leaders in terms of what a listening heart really is. Uh, But the example and the result of that is what is important because it can foster understanding and it can bring communities together to serve the greater need. President Dallin H. Oaks of the church's first presidency uh, began his talk by voicing his concern that people are no longer attending church of any kind and how that affects everyone. Today, my message concerns such good and religious-minded people who have stopped attending or participating in their churches. When I say churches, I include synagogues, mosques, or other religious organizations. We are concerned that attendance in all of these is down significantly nationwide. If we cease valuing our churches for any reason, we threaten our personal spiritual life and significant numbers separating themselves from God reduces his blessings to our nations. This is such an interesting component, uh, again, in a church conference to uh, extend that message to everyone, uh, to those attending synagogues, mosques, or other religious organizations. Uh, and his concern that as we disconnect from that, uh, as we as faith is nudged further and further out of the public square, 
that we end up having this impact, recognizing that faith-based organizations often do fill the gaps between government and individuals. And it's often these faith-based groups, religious organizations and communities uh, that can help the poor and those that are struggling, uh, facing homelessness and and other issues uh, to come together and and to solve those kinds of problems in a way that government cannot do. Uh, And the concern that as we disconnect and have more and more disconnect from all of those faith organizations, that that's not good for the community, it's not good for countries or for the world. Uh, Finally, President Oaks uh, talked about how uh, the church contributes to society through humanitarian work. And again, often that is combining with other religious groups and even other uh, organizations around the world. Most humanitarian and charitable efforts need to be accomplished by pooling and managing individual resources on a large scale. The Restored Church does this with its enormous humanitarian efforts worldwide. These include educational and medical supplies, feeding the hungry, caring for refugees, helping to reverse the effects of addictions, and a host of others. Our church members are renowned for their Helping Hands projects in natural disasters. Church membership allows us to be part of such large-scale efforts. Members also pay fast offerings to help the poor in their own midst. It's so important to to look at all of these components. Again, it was a fascinating weekend of general conference uh, that began and uh, emanated from here in Salt Lake City, broadcast around the world. And it really was a a message uh, not just for members of the Church of Jesus Christ, but for people everywhere. And just bringing that full circle, I want to go back to some of those early comments uh, from Elder Holland talking about divisions and subdivisions, sets and subsets, identities uh, here and there, and hostility all the way around. Uh, We have to get past that. We have to learn how to, to come together. We don't have to demonize those we disagree with. We can actually give them the benefit of the doubt, and we can come together to solve important problems for people. We're going to step aside for Top of the Hour News, hour number two of Inside Sources, coming up next on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.